It's great to be here this morning. As Chris said, my name's Lovely Joe. Part of the leadership team here. I want to extend my welcome to all of you. I feel a little bit. God, look at that. Oh, no, it's too high. Anyway, so we're in a, a teaching series at the moment called By Faith. Um, working through Hebrews chapter 11, looking at some of the, he- uh, the heroes of faith. Um, we've already looked at uh, Abel, or Abel as, as he was here, but Abel, and Noah, and Rahab so far. Today we've got the joy of um, meeting another one of our heroes, one who's actually given the majority of Hebrews 11, um, so maybe the greatest out of all, but just saying... It's a privilege to, to get to teach this morning. Uh, just as we start, I'd love a volunteer if anyone's feeling brave. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but <laughs> it's nothing. It, it'll, it'll do you some good. Andy. Go on, Andy. Come, come up here. I had something planned, but now, now I'm just, oh, yeah. Tell you what I want you to do, Andy. I'd love you to go and find another seat. Any seat. <clears throat> no, not that one. <laughs> so what Andy's just displayed in our midst, he's got up, he's responded to a rather ambiguous <laughs> call to come and do something. And he's gone and sat somewhere else. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks, Andy. We'll come back to that later. (laughs) Hebrews 11 starts with this verse. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. As we go through this preaching series, what we're saying, what we're stirring one another in, and what we're saying is that faith is to be the foundation of who we are and of the life that we choose to live. We're taught through the Bible to live by faith and not by sight. By very definition, therefore, we cannot live both by faith and by sight. Simply can't do it. We're called to live by faith and not by sight. Our experience tells us that we can have faith in some areas and lack in others, or we can have faith in a moment, and then it fades into what we see. But we are called to be those who trust in God, above emotion, beyond circumstance, and to respond in obedience. Faith is something that works outside of what is currently visible, and yet guarantees something that will be visible or tangible in the future. Again, back to the first verse. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. A guy called J.B. Phillips, a Bible scholar, translator of the Bible, he said this, only faith can guarantee the blessings that we hope for or prove the existence of the realities that at present remain unseen. Only faith can guarantee 
the blessings that we hope for or prove the existence of the realities that at present remain unseen. We've got a lot to learn as we choose to live by faith. It feels very intangible so often. It feels like a, a term that is so far out there that it's, yeah, I kind of got faith for something, but I think what we're going to discover today with our hero that we, we meet is that he was a guy who lived by faith because he trusted God and he obeyed the will of God. So we'll be reading from Hebrews 11, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Um, and today's hero is Father Abraham. Go on. I know. <laughs> we can read of Abraham's life through uh, the very beginning of the Bible, chapters tw- uh, 11 to 25 of Genesis. Um, we hear his name dotted throughout scripture and we've uh, got the joy of starting today um, with a bit of a summary of who he is in Hebrews 11 and then we'll jump back into bits of the story as we go through. So let's uh, begin at reading at, at verse 8 of Hebrews 11. By faith Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. I just want to stop there. We'll carry on in a in a little moment, but just want to take us back to Genesis 12, where it all really starts for, for Abram, as he was then called. Um, so jumping back to Genesis 12, God makes his first promise to I'm just going to read from, from Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, For in your father's household to the land, I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on on earth will be blessed through you. So went, as the Lord had told him, Lot went with him. Abraham was seven years old when he set out Haran. Do you want me to swip? switch? We'll carry on. See how we get on. 75 years old, and God calls a man to up and go from a land where he's been settled, where his father's uh, moved him to, we find out at the end of, of chapter 11. And the word of God calls not just for faith, but for action. When God calls, he calls us to respond in faith, but what follows that is an action. And there's an immediacy about Abram's response. I will flicker between Abram and Abraham because they're quite similar. They're the same person and quite similarly worded, but there's an immediacy to his response. 
And uh, as I was preparing for this, I read one of the commentators who mentioned that in the original Hebrew text, uh, it reads in such a way that as he was being called by God, he obeyed. There was no hesitation as he was being called, he obeyed. When God speaks, we respond in obedience and we move. So when God said go, Abram was obedient and went. Just to be clear in a bit of context to where Abram was at this moment, um, it wouldn't have been an easy place to leave. It was a, a land that was, that was blessed with prosperity. And we often find that it's in the struggles that we seek out God to rescue us from um, and give us a way out or to move us on. But that wasn't the case for Abram. He was in a, in a land that was blessed with prosperity. The place that God was leading Abram from wasn't that, but the place he was leading him to, as we've read already, he's unsure. He didn't know where he would go. Hebrews 11 tells us he, he followed even though not knowing where he would be. And there's no record of doubt or of Abram questioning God in this moment, in his response. It was just God spoke, called him, promised, and Abram went. When God speaks, he speaks in such a way that we can't deny it is him saying it. We can and do choose how and when we respond to what he's saying. But what we can learn from Abraham's example is how we as people who live by faith can act likewise. I just want to invite my beautiful wife, Amy, up to share a little bit of our story just to bring a bit of context. So Amy's going to come and share. Hello. The joke of it is, as Joe said, keep it short. And if anyone knows me, it's not going to be short. But we'll uh, give it a go. Um, so rewind, so a bit of our story. Rewind back about six years ago. And we were just about to celebrate our year anniversary, wedding anniversary. And we thought, right, where does God want us? So we decided to take our time out go to the Downs, leave our phones at home, be away from everywhere, take a guitar, and we'll just worship and pray and see what God says. <laughs> the joke of it was is we had this incredible plan that we came back home that we really thought God was behind. We thought we were going to go to France because we've had France on our hearts ever since we met. And we were going to go and do a ski season, learn the culture, learn the language, and then go and plant a church. It really was that straightforward. We, we thought we had it start to end. We knew exactly what we were doing. Probably in the exact week, um, we fell pregnant with Eloise, which wasn't expected. And also in that same week, we got a message from a guy called Steve Allison, who we didn't really know at the time, and said, hi, I've heard about you guys. It'd be really great to, for you to come. And it was, wasn't worded exactly like this, but really great to come and join the team and run the worship here, blah, 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 blah. When Joe told me, I probably, put it bluntly, laughed out loud and said, there is no way that I'm moving back to Crawley. I really feel like there's a step backwards. If we're going anywhere, we're going to France. Anyway trying to be the best Christians possible. We really did give it to God and prayed about it and really felt like there was something behind this. So we took a step forward in, you know, seeing what God has for us and we really did feel like it was a call from God. 
Um, so we that week we went to Montpellier. We wanted to just have a look at what France would be like for us. And we just knew that there was something lacking. So in Montpellier, we gave our notice in for our jobs and our house and left what was pretty much materialistically perfect. We had a great house, we had great jobs, we had security, we had money, all of that, to going somewhere where we literally didn't know where we were going. We knew we were going to Crawley, but that was about it. We didn't know where we were going to live and what jobs we were going to do, knowing that we were pregnant and having a baby in nine months' time. We took the step of faith, and from that moment onwards, it really, God showed us so much blessing in our lives. I gave my notice in from work. I was a customer advisor in a council, nothing special at all. I really wasn't that special. My manager then called me back that week and said, do you know what, Amy, we really don't want to lose you. We're going to give you and make you a personal role so you can work from home in Crawley. We're going to give you a laptop. We're going to carry on paying you and designed a, a, a role that I could work in Crawley, even though I was just a customer advisor and created a role for me. And there is no way that that was by accident. That was absolutely God's hand on us, securing us, letting us know, okay, so we took another step forward. Then Joe got a job. Then we took another step forward. And then it felt like we, it was a bit dry for a while. We lived with my parents, then we rented, then we fell pregnant again, unfortunately, <laughs> sooner than we thought. And it really just felt like there was a bit of dryness, but we knew that God had settled our hearts that we were called to Crawley and rewind four or five years later from moving to Crawley, taking a step of faith, going through many trials, but knowing that God had given us the peace that goes beyond understanding what it says in Philippians. He gets settled our hearts, gave us that peace that went on beyond understanding. We didn't understand what was going on. Five years later, we finally get our home, our family home that fits us all in and more. And we know that we're supposed to be here. And what we wanted our story and testimony to say, that sometimes it isn't easy and sometimes we don't know where we're going. But actually responding by faith in that call, God will honour that. You might not see it straight away, but he will honour that. And he has honoured it. And he'll continue to honour it. And we'll continue to keep step, stepping out in faith, even though we can't see what's going to happen. God will honour that step of faith. So... She's good, isn't she? She's been amazing again, just since the day we got married, since I guess before then as well, just the, the way we've, we've gone through things and just Amy's just been a rock for me and an encourager and one who's challenged my faith in good ways. Um, and so, yeah, again, just really interesting preparing for this morning and um, thinking, oh, yeah, there's, there's a bit of similarity. Again, it's not, it's not the perfect parallel, but, um, and it wasn't an easy option for us, and I don't think it was an easy option for Abram at the time. But God called him and God called us, and we're where we're called to be at this moment. Um, we've got many people within this room that I'm sure some have been called away, some have been called to, some have been born and bred and, and lived here all their life, but, but God's got plans and purposes. He's got a, um, a call on each of our lives, and we get the joy of 
following in that, again, just hearing recently of Ben and Hannah who are taking up a call to move to another country um, with their two children, trusting in God for provision, trusting in God where he's made ways with jobs and um, through amazing um, works of God and the generosity of, of a church family who love and support them and have committed to them as they go um, to see the gospel um, at work in other nations. God is true. There's a foundational principle that we need to establish and focus on just for a moment. And that is this very simple principle and one that we'd all nod and agree with. God can be trusted. He is faithful. And when he speaks, he speaks truth. He cannot lie. What we find with Abraham is that the word of God is sufficient in and of itself and can be completely trusted. He didn't look for other things. He trusted God at his word and he moved and responded obediently accordingly. We can stop talking about faith at this point if the one who we have faith in is inconsistent or unfaithful or a liar or is deluded, but God's track record is one that can be relied on 100% of the time because he's got a 100% track record of being faithful. I went, went to watch Crawley Town play yesterday. Admittedly, it was my first time in a while. Um, but it was great. I took my boy for his first football match. He's been um, playing football at one of the, the community clubs uh, that Crawley Town run. And I uh, just thought it'd be great for him to experience some of the context behind why football happens and how it works and give him a bit of match experience. So we had the joy of going down there and going into the game. I, I watched Crawley through my teen, teenage years and um, saw the ups and downs and the promotions um, that they went through. And I was sure yesterday, oh, of course we're going to win. I'm here. I'm watching it. It'll be the first game. It'll rekindle something of that. Uh, we lost, just to be clear. Spoiler alert. That was a great game, I really enjoyed it. And we had the joy of uh, some hospitality seats because my best man uh, works for Crawley Town, so he sorted us right out there. But genuinely, I went into the match thinking, oh, of course we'll, we'll just win it. I had, a, I had a faith, I had a gut, gut feeling. It was based on a, a hope that they would do well. Um, but what was that faith founded on? It wasn't founded on a word of God that said, Crawley are going to win today. If he had, they would have. And I genuinely believe that. But he didn't say that, and they didn't win. Um, as I said, we have a God who can be relied on. He has a 100% track record of faithfulness, trustworthiness, goodness, provision. They're his promises. And it's not just because he's done stuff in the past. It's not just through our experience. But as Dan was praying, it's, it's, it's in his essence it is who he is. It's in his very nature. And God's words to Abraham held both a command and a promise. The words God spoke to Abraham, that Abraham was obedient to God's command to go, so he went, and he held on to the hope of God's promise that he had not yet seen, of the inheritance that he was to receive. Back to Hebrews 11, verse 1. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's what we see in the, the outset of this story. 
And when Abram arrived in the land promised to him, he lived there as a sojourner, someone who lives somewhere on a temporary basis or as a visitor. He arrived in the land that God had promised to him, but he didn't at that point possess or inherit the land, but instead lived in it as a stranger or a foreigner. Yet the promise he was given was still true because the one who had promised is both faithful and trustworthy. And yet, Abram was able to live by faith in the land that had been promised to him, but as he had not yet received it as his inheritance, he fixed his eyes on the things unseen. He was certain in the promise of God, unwavering in faith, even while the very circumstances and situations around him seemed bleak and unlikely. In fact, it was a worse place materialistically than where he left. But God had called him and he kept faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham's faith, Abraham's faith was in an eternal city. We read, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. We'll go on in a little while to, to read um, about this eternal city. He was able to live in such a way that didn't focus on material things, nor did he make demands of God to do things in order that he would obey him. The word of God was enough. For Abraham, it was better for him to live in a tent as a foreigner, waiting for God to provide what he had promised, rather than to force some lesser fulfillment of his own making that may have looked better on the outside. We have a lot to learn in fixing our eyes on our heavenly inheritance. It supplies joy, contentment, satisfaction, comfort, and encouragement. It sustains us through all times. So let's jump back to Hebrews 11. We'll continue where we left off in verse 11. It says, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Abraham had faith in what was unknown and unseen, yet he had a hope in God's promise of an inheritance. Abraham's example teaches us that true faith always leads to decisive action, that trust must manifest itself in obedience so that works and the steps we take are the evidence of our faith. We see in Abraham one who lived by faith. It was the foundation of his life, his starting point, his default response, his very foundation and his actions show that he was trusting in God and he chose to live according, accordingly. The thought of saying to a man in his late 90s and his wife who's entering her early 90s, you're going to have a baby, seems to be a unique enough situation and ordinarily wouldn't bring about a baby, but it's God talking. That's not even mentioning that uh, Sarah was unable to conceive even before old age. But when God makes a promise, we shouldn't be surprised when it happens. We'll read on in Hebrews 11. All these people were still living by faith 
when they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All these people, referencing those that have gone before in Hebrews 11, all these people were still living by faith when they died. Abraham, as we read through Genesis, didn't receive the land promised to him. Hebrews tells us that Abraham admitted that he was a foreigner and a stranger on earth, one who is rejected by those around them, seen as an alien or outsider, and someone who is temporarily living somewhere other than their permanent home. We get a great parallel into what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. It goes on in verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. It's therefore not a disappointment for Abraham to have not received the land as his inheritance because his gaze, his motivation, his foundation was fixed on something, a better city, an eternal city, altogether. Faith goes beyond us. In Genesis chapter 15, it says, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and ill-treated there. It's in this moment, after saying that, that God makes uh, a second covenant promise with Abraham. To your descendants I give this land. This is later referred to as the promised land, which God gave to his people under Joshua's leadership, the promised land. To your descendants I will give this land. And so Abraham lived and modelled something for us about how we are to live as aliens and strangers in this world because our citizenship is in heaven. There's a third covenant that God makes with Abraham and this one comes with a condition. Again, we've got unconditional promises up to this point. But God says to Abraham, we'll just read in Genesis, sorry, chapter 17. It's a good one. It's the covenant of circumcision. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you 
and will, and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenants you are to keep, every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. So it's the promise where God says about the land, about uh, Abraham's inheritance, about the, him becoming a father of many nations. He makes this promise after um, Abraham has slept with Hagar and Hagar's given birth to Ishmael and through that story God says, no, that's, that's not what I promised. I promised to you and to your wife. It goes on in chapter 17. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai or Sarai. Nicola's going to teach on that in a few weeks. But her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell down and laughed. Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And they continue this dialogue through and more becomes clear. Again, really recommend you spend some time just reading through that, that story this week if you've got... Um, it's just a phenomenal story and lots of things we haven't touched on this morning. But Genesis 17 brings further clarity and correction to his call to be a father and to Sarah to be a mother. At this point, they had already tried to bring about God's promise in their own way with Hagar who gave birth to Ishmael, a wild donkey of a man. That's biblical, just to be clear. It's not my own. And so it was, a year later, around old age of 100, Abraham became a father to Isaac through who God established his everlasting covenant for him and his descendants after him. We now enter into the final part of Hebrews 11 um, as we draw to a close that says this, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. God tested Abraham. The similarities of what we see here are just beautiful, but the journey to it is heartbreaking. God tested Abraham, who was faithful and unwavering in obedience to God. He was willing to sacrifice his only son, 
the one whom he loved, the one of whom God had made his covenant through. Seemingly, it was all going to come to an end. Whatever was going through Abraham's mind, he knew God and trusted him. What Hebrews does tell us is that Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. I just want to read a quote from John Piper that I found really helpful in just rounding some of this up. He says, Abraham obeyed God and offered his only son Isaac on the altar, not to earn God's favour, but because he was so confident in God's promise to give him posterity, that's about his descendants, through Isaac in spite of everything. Obedience is the necessary outcome of truly trusting in God's promises. And so obedience is made a condition of inheriting God's promises which are granted by grace and through faith. This means that the covenant of Abraham is just like the new covenant under which we live. For it too is conditional, not on works, but on the obedience of faith. John 3 Verse 36 says, He who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests upon him. And Hebrews 5 says, Christ became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. The covenant of Abraham and the new covenant under, uh, under which we live today are one covenant of grace, because in both gracious promises are made to sinners who receive them through faith a faith which banks so completely on the wisdom and power and love of God that it inevitably obeys his commands. And so we see in this moment of utter obedience, the faith, a foreshadow of what would come. We look to Abraham's greatest descendant, Jesus Christ, the one who was sacrificed for the sins of the world, offered up as God's only and dearly loved son, He's the perfect substitute for us, both the son of the promise as in Isaac and the lamb, the ram caught in the bush that we find in Genesis. Spotless and blameless, completely sinless, and yet the one who gave himself up, taking on our sin and dying on a cross, defeating sin and death, and by doing so, made a way for us to inherit eternal life. For us Gentiles to become part of the family, the descendants of Abraham by faith, and then to enjoy our great inheritance as that, that he has for us. We live by faith, confident in his promises and his truth, forsaking what we see to the greater glory and revelation of what we know will be. Galatians chapter 3, Paul writing to the church in Galatia, um, has some really helpful teaching that we'll just, just go through, should appear behind me. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. It then goes on in verse 14. This He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And finishing off chapter 3, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, Abraham's offspring, and heirs according to the promise. 
We are heirs of the same promise that was made to Abraham. I just want to invite us to respond uh, to this message again. I'm aware we've covered a lot and we've missed a lot out as well. But I just want to, if we can all stand, I'll invite the band back up at this point. There's an opportunity both for us to respond to this message in, as individuals and corporately as a church family. And I, I want to just offer the opportunity to pray in, in three key ways. We've got some of you are carrying promises that God's given to you, that God's spoken over you. And I feel that there's a, there's a need in us to respond in faith to this. There's a response to faith in Jesus. Again, what we've shared, what, what this faith points to is to a greater one than Abraham, a greater one in Jesus. Jesus, the one who died and rose again, the one who's coming back, the one who's made a place for those who believe in him. And I believe, again, corporately, we've got a response um, as a church to make before God ahead of the dreams and vision that God's given us for next year, the things he's spoken to us about, the 2020 goals again. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're here with us. Lord God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us, your trustworthiness. I thank you for who you are. We invite your Holy Spirit now to come and do a work in us. Lord, we receive faith. Lord, it's a gift from you. So Lord, I do pray, Lord, as each of us in this room, Lord, with the own things in our heart and in our mind, Lord, the areas that we want to grow in, Lord, would you, would you send down the gift of faith to us, Lord? Will we receive a greater measure of faith? Lord, will we receive a greater revelation and security and foundation of who you are to us? Amen. Lord, that allows us to walk in faithful obedience to the call that you've given us. Holy Spirit, come and do a work in us, I pray. Come and fill us with your spirit that every step we take, every moment we choose to follow you in faithful obedience to your call to us. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask. Fill us with faith. Will we be a people known for faith, Lord, as we read through this series, Lord, the heroes of faith those that we can look at and learn from and, and be wowed by. Lord, we want to be people full of faith because we know who you are and we know what you've said. So Lord, come and speak to us now, I pray. Secure us in these things. Bring clarity to words. In Jesus' name, amen.